Welcome to Northridge Church. Welcome to our campuses. And hey, if you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to dive in this morning. I'd encourage you, if you got the Northridge Church app downloaded, jump into that and you can take notes along with today's sermon. And if you weren't here last week, we kind of dove headfirst into a new series called Subtle Sins of society. And what we're doing in this series is really looking at some of the areas of our life that we become blind to. They're, they're so normal in our life, they're so regular in our life that we don't even see them clearly anymore. And, and they are actually living in rebellion in a sinful way towards God. And so week one, we talked about the subtle sin of comfort. That Way too often, we worship comfort more than we worship God. And so Jesus teaches us to overcome this subtle sin. We, we have to have patterns and, and, and rhythms in our life of regular denial, to embrace purposeful suffering, to win the battle against this blind spot in our lives. And so today, we're going to just continue in this series, and we're going to start in Luke 18, and we're going to start in verse 9. It says this, to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. So just to give you a setting of this scripture, Jesus is kind of in a normal day for him, right? He's with the crowd, and he's getting ready to teach them, and he's going to address an issue that he sees happening in culture. And this issue, interestingly enough, is the same in our culture. Jesus, one thing that drew people to Jesus was the way he taught people. You see, many people would hear Pharisees, religious Teachers in this culture teach, but many commoners didn't understand what they were talking about and didn't understand the words of the Old Testament law. And so what many people were drawn to Jesus about was when he would teach, he would tell stories. He would give parables to make the, the, the Bible and his words come alive and understandable to the average person. And so Jesus is going to tell a story, a parable, responding to the issue in this culture of comparison. You see, today the subtle sin we're going to talk about is the subtle sin of comparison. When we look at other people's lives to justify ours. Now, before we dive too far into this comparison sin, you might have a couple questions. I have a couple questions. Is all comparison wrong? Like, is there never a time where I can look at somebody else's life and compare it to mine? Is that always sinful? Well, the answer is no. Right? What you will notice in this series is many of the things that we talk about as subtle sins inherently by themselves are not wrong, like comfort. There's nothing wrong with comfort. It's when we worship it or we use the wrong motives towards it that make it sinful. In fact, let me show you a good example of comparison. First Corinthians, Paul tells us to do this. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So the apostle Paul, one of the early church leaders, literally tells us to look at his life to compare our life to his, but the motive behind it is that we would follow Christ, that we would look more like Jesus. And so what you will notice is when it comes to comparison, the motive behind how you use it often determines whether it's good or sinful. In fact, on the opposite end of good, good comparison is sinful comparison. And this is usually the, 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 the comparison that we use in our society today. Sinful comparison is when you look at somebody else's life with the motive to justify your worth. You see, many of us, we, we look at other people's lives because we want to feel good, better about our own. And so Jesus is going to tell a story, a parable to address this issue. And before we dive into the story, 
I thought I'd show you what it might have looked like. Check this out. We're all Jews. How can they live with themselves? Our own people working for Rome. These people make me sick. Collaborators, let's move on. They're stinking vermin. You should keep your distance from them. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other one. Tax collector. The Pharisee prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Thieves, adulterers, or this tax collector. But the tax collector. didn't even look up to heaven. He said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. God bless the tax collector. Not the Pharisee. Anyone who praises himself will be humbled. And anyone who humbles himself will be praised. Matthew, come. So Jesus is getting at a problem that he sees, and he tells a story. Let's break down this story. Verse 10, he says, two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So Jesus starts this story with two main focal points, two guys doing the exact same thing. They're going to the temple to pray. The first man was a Pharisee. Now, if you were to put a Pharisee in in our current culture, you'd call him pastor. You'd call him a church leader, religious person. That's who a Pharisee was. In fact, from the audience listening to this story in the first century, the the, the Pharisee was well-respected, well-revered. He was the hero of the community. He served the community, ministered to the community. He would often teach the community. And so when the the audience heard this Pharisee, they probably cheered. That's our guy. 
And then Jesus says, another man, a tax collector, went to the temple to pray. Now, the tax collector was the most hated man in society. The first century audience probably booed when Jesus said tax collector because he was a traitor to his own people. A tax collector was like a Jewish person working for the Nazis. That's how bad it was. That's how hated they were. They cheated from their own people to make themselves rich. They didn't belong at the temple, and they certainly didn't belong praying to God. So Jesus sets these two men up doing the same thing. It says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. And so this Pharisee, this religious leader who would probably come to the temple every single day to pray. And he says, God, thank you that I am good. Thank you, God, that, that I do all the, the right things. Thank you, God, that I am not like that guy. This tax collector, this evildoer, this adulterer, right? Thank you, God, that I am good. And, you know, when we read this, it's easy for us in, in, in our, you know, current culture to, like, roll our eyes and be like, seriously, dude? Like, who prays that prayer? Like, this boastful, proud prayer. We, we could easily judge this Pharisee for being a little haughty. But what's true about our lives is we might not pray that prayer out loud, but we, sure, we surely think those thoughts in our heads. Because when we want to justify ourselves before God, what do we do? We tell him of our goodness. We say, God, man, I'm, I'm so good. You know what? I haven't missed a week of church in a really long time. You know what, God, I'm so good. Did you see me feed the homeless and, and take care of, of the needy? God, I am so good. Did you see that check I wrote for Mountain Mover? God, I am so good because I am not like those men who are unfaithful to their wives. God, I am not like the criminals on the street. God, did you see and have you noticed my goodness? That's exactly what the Pharisee did. And what Jesus teaches us in this battle of a subtle sin of comparison is he, he says that the danger of comparison is we often manipulate ourselves through comparison to justify what we already believe about ourselves. You see, we compare our lives to other people and we hand select those certain people to justify or to confirm something that we already believe about ourselves. This is exactly what this Pharisee does. He felt good. He felt righteous. Let me ask you a question. Did he want to put his righteousness to the test? Or did he want to just confirm something that he already believed? Well, we know the answer to that question based off of who he chose to compare his life to. Evildoers. Robbers. Adulterers. The tax collector. He found the worst in society, and the reason why he found them is because he just wanted to feel good about himself. He wanted to confirm a feeling he already had in his life. And how often do we do the same thing? We feel good about our spirituality, and so we find people who barely go to church, who aren't in a group, who don't serve, and we're like, yeah, God, have you noticed me? Do you realize the opposite is true as well? Some of us today, we don't feel good about our lives. We actually feel really insecure about our lives. But we act the same way the Pharisee does. 
Because instead of finding the the, the worst people in society, we compare our lives to the best people in society. We find people who have awesome marriages. We have people who have respected kids. We find people who get the promotions at work, and we feel insecure about our lives, so we pick those people to compare our lives to so we confirm the insecurities that we already have. We act so much like this Pharisee. And what Jesus is is teaching us is that horizontal comparisons usually don't give us an accurate depiction of the truth. When we compare our lives to other people, it usually doesn't give us a picture of who we truly are because our hearts and our minds deceive ourselves to pick people that we truly want to just confirm what we already feel. That was the Pharisee. But Jesus switches gears. He goes to the tax collector. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. So here you have this opposite man, this tax collector, and he probably felt like he didn't belong at the temple. And the reason he probably felt that way is because he could hear the whispers of what everybody was saying about him. He could feel the shame of his own lifestyle. And do we realize that that many people who, who, who are far from God feel that way when they come close to a church building, a church gathering? They feel like they don't belong. They're, they're not worthy to attend. And that was this tax collector. He, he comes to the temple to pray and he can't even look up to heaven. He can't even look up to God. And look what he does. It says he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Pretty different prayer. The Pharisee couldn't stop talking about his goodness. The tax collector, all he could do was cry to God for help because he noticed and realized he was broken. And what made those prayers so different, those actions so different, well, it was the perspective each one had. It was the gaze of the tax collector. You see, he was comparing his life to Christ. And when he did that, he got an accurate view of who he truly was, a sinful man. And what this tax collector teaches us about this subtle sin of comparison is our vertical relationship with Christ is the ultimate picture of who we truly are. When we compare our lives not to others, but to Christ and his perfection and his holiness, it usually reveals a dose of what we don't want to see, but what we need to see. The vertical relationship. And I get why most of us, we choose the horizontal because it feels a lot better. Because you can pick and choose whoever you want to compare your life to to make you feel good about your life. But when you choose the vertical relationship, it will show you and reveal to you who you are. And when we stand before a perfect and holy God, we often feel naked and alone and unworthy. But usually that's the picture we need to see of who we truly are. So you have two men coming to the temple, two different prayers. But what shocked the crowd is how Jesus ended this story. He says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This would have blew the crowd's minds that the tax collector, received God's justification. 
You see, what's interesting about this story is both of these men were doing the exact same thing, searching for the exact same thing, but only one found it. You see, both of these men, they just wanted to be justified before God. They wanted God's approval. They wanted to feel God's worth pour over their lives, and yet the Pharisee didn't receive it, but the tax collector did. But what is Jesus trying to teach this crowd? You see, it's a bigger theological principle. The truth is, is Jesus is trying to to, to reconcile with this crowd that we, in ourselves, can't justify ourselves. You see, most of us, we live our lives like the Pharisee, where we, when we stand before God, we hope one day that all the goodness that we've done in our life will be enough to earn God's acceptance, earn God's approval, earn our worth. And so we, we do a bunch of good in this life. We serve others. We care for others. We go to church and community group. We do all the right things, and we hope that that goodness will justify us before God. And we forget what the Bible teaches over and over again. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah says, all of us, every single one of us, all of us have become one, like one who is unclean. Listen to this. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You see, what what Isaiah is teaching us is when we stand before God and we take all the goodness in our life, we compile it and we, we bring it before God and we're like, God, is this enough? It never will be. Because the Bible teaches us that all of our goodness to God is like filthy rags. And if you want a a greater insight into what filthy rags are, Isaiah is referring to the rags that women would use when they were menstruating. That's what our good deeds look like to God in his perfection and his holiness. We can't justify ourselves, but the amazing news of the gospel is Jesus left heaven and came to earth to justify us. Christ came through his cross and his resurrection to take our filthy rags and make them brand new. In fact, Ephesians says it like this, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, what did the tax collector ask for? God have mercy on me, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions because it is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians teaches us that Christ justifies us through his cross and his resurrection, that he takes what was dead and he makes it alive in us. And so as we look at our lives today, as we wrestle with this sin of always comparing our lives to others, I have two challenges for us. The first challenge is we have to learn to stop looking for approval in the wrong places. Here's the truth about all of us, is we are all searching and looking for acceptance. I don't care how successful you are or how miserable you are. Each and every one of us, as we walk through life, are searching and hoping to find our value, our worth, our approval in life. And unfortunately for so many of us, we look in all the wrong places. Sure, we might find it here on earth for a season where we feel valuable, but eventually it fades because it's a counterfeit. Many of us, we go through life and you know what we do? We keep like a scorecard. 
And that scorecard, whether it's high or low, determines our worth. We look at our life and we keep the scorecard, right? We feel worthy because we got a lot of likes on a post on social media or we look at the subscribers that we have or the views we have on a video and that's what determines our worth and our value. Or the promotions that we get at our job or the lack of promotions that we get or what school we went to or what job we've accomplished or achieved or what our kids are doing or what our families are doing, right? We look at all these things in our life and and that scorecard ultimately determines whether we're valuable or not. Can I ask you, when you look at your life, who are you comparing your life to? Are you comparing your life to someone's best fake life on social media? Are you looking at your life and and are you looking at what other kids can do and, and determining your worth as a parent, as a mom or a dad? Are you comparing your life to someone's best? Are you getting your approval based off of what your boss says about you or the jobs that he gives you? Are you getting your approval based off of your relationship status, whether you're single or married? Where are you finding your worth, your acceptance, your value? See, many of us are looking in all the wrong places. We're searching in a world that can't provide it for us. And my challenge for us today is that we would find our true value and worth in Christ. That we would learn. That's the entire point of this story, this parable, is Jesus is pushing this crowd back to himself. He's saying the only place you can find worth and justification and value is in me. Because I came to earth to die in your place, to wear your shame so you could wear my righteousness. Let's go back to the ending of the story. You know how shocking it would have been for this first century audience. Remember, we read the Bible from 2023, but let's go back to the first century. The people who were listening to Jesus telling this parable. Do you know how much hope it gave the audience listening to the story when they heard the news that the tax collector, the worst guy on earth, the criminal, received God's approval? Do you know what the audience listening must have thought? If that guy can be approved by God? Maybe I can. Maybe there's hope for my life after all. You gotta ask the question, how in the world did a tax collector get God's approval? All he did was he humbled himself before God. He declared that he was a sinner and he needed God's help. And God granted his request. And the truth is, God will do the very same thing for you. Let's pray together. Lord, as I look at my own life, 
I wish I wasn't guilty of this, but so many times I am just like that Pharisee. Where I can look at all the things that I've done and hope that somehow you'll accept them. You'll be proud of them. And yet that's not what gains your approval. It's through what Christ has already done for me and for us. So God, I pray that we ditch the scorecard. That we'd stop looking for approval in all the wrong places. And God, today, we would find our acceptance and our worth and our justification in you. Because when we find it in you, no one can strip it away. Help us to do that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.